hello everyone this is thinking to think the critical thinking podcast where we analyze topics such as civics history culture philosophy politics and current events through a critical thinkers lens i am your host the social studies educator michael antonio aponte also known as mr a every sunday we will have a new episode within these topics as well as occasional special guests and recorded lectures with my students so please subscribe share listen and let's build a critical thinking society together i want to begin a small series of lectures focusing on developing your critical thinking skills many of the information i will be speaking about today can be found in my upcoming book think the lost art of critical thinking and understanding the problems of the 21st century to recap on some of its foundations that I spoke about on the first episode of uh, the podcast, uh, critical thinking is to examine every piece of fact and or evidence that is available before you make a decision about something. It takes practice and discipline. And the hardest part of critical thinking is taking the emotions out of the decisions you make based on the facts you have evaluated. Now, also, critical thinking is self-directed, self-disciplined, self-monitored, and self-corrective thinking. This means you also need to develop these skills as part of critical thinking. And I'll elaborate on this. So, self-directed. It's a process in which individuals take the initiative with or without the help of others in diagnosing their learning needs, formulating learning goals, identifying human and material resources for learning, choosing and implementing appropriate learning strategies, and evaluating learning outcomes. In other words, you're self-educating yourself. Okay? Then we have self-discipline. The ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. In other words, being able to put aside your emotions and look at all the facts and be able to look at the outcomes from all your information that you've received and then making a decision from there, okay? Regardless of what the outcome is, even if it hurts your feelings. And this is a big problem with a lot of social scientists that we have today at the university level. Now we have self-monitor. The ability to both observe and evaluate one's behavior. So now you have to kind of check yourself. You have to look... Really have some reflection on like, is this an actual outcome? Is this a fact? Is this relevant? Is the conclusion based? Am I being biased on this conclusion? Or am I looking it for what it is? So, and it's up to you to figure that out. You have to look at yourself, be able to look in the mirror and determine that. And then there's the most difficult step that most people will, especially today, are having a hard time doing. That's self-corrective thinking. And that's the ability to change your mind from the original and many times emotional 
decision or judgment. So you have to humble yourself. You have to be able to say, you know what? I was wrong about this. And you got to live with that. And it's okay. It, it, if everyone knew everything, the this world and life in general would be an extremely boring um, place. And you'll have no reason to live if you know everything. There's like, what is there? What truly would be there? You ha- And that's something you have to look into yourself. But... You, you can't just assume that whatever you first read, look at, you know, Google or whatever the case may be, is the ultimate decision outcome or whatever, you know, that that must be it because it makes me feel good. So it, it, see how it all it's all connected. And critical thinkers also use different forms of logic to make these reasons. Um, and some are deductive reasoning, uh, which is... Um, or arguments, then you have abductive reasoning, then you have inductive reasoning, and then you have deductive reasoning, um, which is deductive reasoning is my personal favorite, um, which, again, I would, I I don't want to, like, encourage, I'd rather you uh, listen to the first podcast. I go uh, deeper into detail regarding uh, critical thinking. I believe it's the between the first and second uh, episode. Highly recommended. This would give you some enlightenment on it. But the main reason why I'm bringing this up is because this first part of the series, I want to talk about life in general. Now, I've done a lot of research through philosophy and um, different great minds, great leaders, and they all have something relatively in common this is despite never possibly ever knowing about each other in history or you know let alone the fact that they didn't even live in the same lifetime so and that is life is a combination and this is how i'm summing summing it up life is a combination of poker and chess and you always have to play to win napoleon hill once said you have a brain in a mind of your own. Use it and reach your own decisions. And there are many wise men and women who devoted themselves to the ideas and philosophies of life. And we can dive into any sort of business or ideology and see that there are many examples. But I'll give you one. For example, in religious texts, let's talk about life in general. In religious texts, there are many moral stories and examples on how one should behave or react to a situation or challenge. The same can be said for one studying war. Wars can teach you the value of decisiveness and risk-taking. And in the end, it's all a game. And you always got to play to win. You know, and whether you want to or not, you are playing this game. And this game that I keep talking about that I keep mentioning is called life. When you start the game at level zero, which is your birth, you will have a different game master that will teach and help you along the way. Now, this is my Dungeons and Dragons people. You get this. You're level one. It's whatever the DM is saying. In this case, it could be your parents. It could be 
um, things out of your parents' control. And it gets complicated because you learn different rules on how to play advice, and whether it's advice from parents, mentors, teachers, um, and other gamers who may contradict each other. And that's why I bring up the Dungeons and Dragons. I happen to love that it's that's the inner geek in me, um, because depending on the DM, you're going to have a different experience. The dungeon master being the DM, anyway. Uh, but once you reach adulthood, the world may may seem complex, especially those that are reaching that. Um, I would say in the early twenties. Uh, when you start getting some little bit more experience in life. But in reality, it becomes simpler for the critical thinker. It becomes a game similar to poker and chess. And unless you live in an authoritative country, you become your own game master. The stakes are higher. Yes, that's true. But the rules and boundaries are simple limitations, excuse me, created by you. You are the one that can tell yourself what you are capable of and what you can achieve. The only catch is that some opportunities take a significant amount of luck to present themselves, while others take hard work and dedication to eventually reach the outcome of your desires. Like all critical thinking methods, which if please subscribe and follow and you'll learn these methods, we need to analyze this in greater detail, analyze those that overachieved against all odds. We need to learn how great historical people played life's game of chess and poker and won. Now, when we look at life as like a chess game. There are fundamental rules that needs to be observed. What you can, cannot do. This also applies to the laws of where you reside. If you break a law, any law, you risk not playing the game because the powers that will that be will stop and halt your progress in life. I cannot stress this enough. Breaking the law can hinder your progress. Now, if laws are unjustified, then that is an entirely different subject, but um, I want to stay focused on the mission at hand. Chess and poker have a set of rules that you must follow in order to continue playing the game. In both games, one must know who their opponents are, predict moves, and react accordingly. In chess, you are on even ground with your opponent. Every, everyone has the same pieces and the same opportunity to win. We can compare this in a, to a recent college graduates, two political opponents within the same government or two new hires within a company. Like chess players, everyone will be playing with different rules, set, uh, skill sets, and experiences, but all still have an equal opportunity to win or fail. There have been plenty of times when a recent graduate will earn a position in a company because they also show that they can multitask by working in a job while attending school or rookie politician outsmarting a veteran politician or a new hire in a company becoming 
their colleague's supervisor in a short time frame. These are examples of chess. When we are looking for a job or enter a new career, the chess game stands out more so than poker. You are going against the requirements to get the interview. Then the interviewee and those that want the job just as badly as you. So the first move, sometimes the pawn or the knight, depending on the chess game you play. And for those that don't play chess, I highly recommend learning how to play. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, is analyzing what it will take to to even get your foot in the door. So the first move, like the pawn or the knight, you're analyzing. What can you do to get that first step, your foot in the door? You are playing the first move that the opponent at this stage gives you a requirement that you must react to. It could be a college degree, a certain number of years experience, or a certain level of understanding of a particular subject. In other words, the first move is the intentions. The second is the requirements. And the third, followed by future moves, is putting those requirements together. And this can take years. But some of the best traditional chess games can take a significantly long time. The longest chess game ever played in one sitting was by... Um, now, I could be saying the name wrong because... Um, I believe he was Russian, it was uh, Nikolik Orsovik in 1989, which took 20 hours and 15 minutes. Obviously, each move for life can take more time than moving an ivory piece on a board. Nevertheless, the bigger the goal, the more time you may need. Now, the same can be said with politics and war. In politics, a politician would try to predict their opponent's talking points, policies, and inspirations, then try to counter or overcome those moves. In the end, everyone is looking to checkmate the other. But what about poker? There are many games within poker, but they all have one thing in common. You play with the cards that you have in your hand. There's no equal opportunity for success. Well, excuse me. Let me take that back. There is equal opportunity, just not equal entry. Okay. And the game of poker takes more than just looking at your hand but reading your opponent at the table. Poker is a combination of skill and luck. You are essentially playing the players, not the cards. And this is the most Machiavellian way of of the game of life, turning something from nothing or something small to something larger. However, there are certain rules in the game as well as psychological cues you need to be aware of in order to play the game well. Is your opponent bluffing? Are they betting on the chances that you would cower away? Do they have the cards and bank to kick you off the table? And what if you have an incredible hand? Do you want 
to bluff in order for the players to raise the stakes in your favor? Are you trying to get them off the table to win the pot? In every situation, these questions must be asked when you play this game. Life is no different. Many people have no problem killing your opportunities for success in order for them to get or stay ahead. In war, the armies are not on equal grounds like chess. There's a lot of people there's a, that say that, oh, war is a game of chess. It's not. There are no exact number of pawns, knights, and rooks when it comes to war. War, like life, is a game of poker. Generals play the other generals and with the hands they have. General Washington in the uh, Revolutionary uh, War in the Americas understood this, which resulted in the defeat of the great superpower of England. But we can say the same thing about Vietnam. When the United States lost the war, even though it was never truly declared a war. But I digress. But during the American Revolution, however, England was a superior force by large. They have defeated two European superpowers prior to France and Spain, which gave them overall control of the North American colonies. Washington a veteran of to the French and Indian War, also known as the Seven Years' War and everywhere else in the world, uh, uh, led the colonial army by performing unconventional means. He knew the hand that was dealt was a bad one, since the colonial army were undisciplined, untrained, and although enthusiastic, unreliable. King George III, on the other hand, was overconfident. And despite this, General Washington continued his bluffs and losses, not gambling his entire bank until British Parliament stepped in and stopped King George from gambling funds he didn't necessarily have control over. In the end, General Washington, forged by a significant number of failures, learned from his previous plays and won the game. Another historical bluff would be Chinese politician, military general, philosopher, and inventor Zhong Ling. And again, um, I could be saying his name a little bit incorrectly, but during the Chinese War of the Three Kingdoms, and this is back in 207 to 265 AD, Liang dispatched his army to another providence and stayed behind in a small town with approximately 100 soldiers. When he heard that there was an opposing force of 150,000 approaching, he immediately ordered to open the gates and Hide while he stayed in plain sight. This bluff worked because once the army arrived and saw that the great general Yu Lang Liang, excuse me, was simply playing a lute and chanting, the opposing army believed it was a trap and ordered a retreat. Like war. In business and in life, there are no differences in how you play. This is why books like The Art of War by Sun Tzu and The Prince by Nicola uh, Machiavelli 
are highly regarded as the must-read books for success. They understood the importance of playing the game and winning. So, how can you apply this in your life? First, you must analyze what are the rules, the set of rules and expectations of the game, and then find out what you need to be competitive. The rules can be of nature and human-made laws. Also, determine if this is closer to chess or poker. Is the opportunity to of entry equal, or is it determined basically solely on your skills with whatever life's deck of cards handed to you? If you are five foot full-grown adult, do not expect to be a professional basketball player, no matter how hard you train. Nature's deck of cards didn't give you that opportunity, and that's okay. But you can try to be a professional within the sport as a commentator, reporter, or agent, and they make significant money. What if you are a high school graduate and want to be in a leadership position within a company you work for? If you can determine what are the minimum requirements that you need, then this becomes like chess. Then now you're looking at it in a chess way. If you're making deals that re- that require negotiations, tactics, and skills, then it's more like poker. Both games require skills and knowledge of the rules, and many times it can interchange between the two. You have to systematic systematically made your way through the front door of an opportunity, then immediately have to switch the game to stay within the realm of the opportunity. Examples where this can be seen most frequently are in careers within law, medicine, and architecture. All three of these careers require a systematic way to get into, but immediately begins to overlap with a poker-style mentality. In other words, if you can plan it, then you can execute and strategize. Once you determine the rules and identify if you can strategically plan or at least begin playing the game with the cards you are dealt, you need to play to win. Do not look at any losers in this game as victims, but as examples of what not to do. Evaluate what steps did they take? How were they taken? What natural laws were against them, if any? Then hypothesize, using logic, why the outcome occurred. If you can find other cases similar and evaluate what they did, you can eventually determine possible outcomes based on your research. That goes back to logic again. Lessons learned from real-world situations around you can increase your chances of success significantly. Because you can begin to predict certain outcomes based on moves that need to be made or at least know when to bluff, call, and raise the stakes. As you continue to move forward, there will be less players at the table. However, I must warn you, if you do not take the history of those around you or the history of the past seriously, you will learn a painful lesson sooner rather than later. Critical thinkers must understand that they can make a systematic plan in most case in most cases, excuse me, and turn a dream into a goal 
then break down the goal into a process, which I will discuss in a future episode. Now, for goals that cannot be systematically planned, you can at least begin to prepare and learn the rules in order to begin the process to achieve those goals. Critical thinkers will evaluate the success and failures of others that try to achieve the same or similar goals and study the steps that were taken which led to the outcome they received. It is as important to study the failures rather than just the successes because life like life, things in the natural world can sometimes be unpredictable and you need to also prepare for such events. Although this all may seem complicated to, to some of you, it is actually simple and rewarding to take these necessary steps. If you personally do not know many people who try to accomplish the goals you have, the internet would probably be your best next best bet. Research, research, and when you are done, do more research. Learn from the history of others. Be a student and let the history of others be your teacher. I promise you, you will not regret it. Thanks for listening to Thinking to Think with Mr. A. If you like our show and want to know more, check out my website in the description or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, whichever platform you heard this episode. Please do not forget to share and spread the word. Join us next week where we will continue the fight to build a critical thinking society. Thank you and have a beautiful week.